0: You are listening to a brand new season of Your Pod and Your Staff, the podcast of College Life Christian Fellowship at UC Davis. I am Peter Nittler, the college pastor of First Baptist Church in Davis, California, and our mission is to shape college-age people from all spiritual starting points into complete and equipped agents of King Jesus. And on this podcast, we want to have conversations that will accompany our Tuesday night Zoom gatherings, and we hope that they form you, encourage you, maybe even make you laugh, and that they would be a source of King Jesus guiding you through this time. And so as you know, we are a college ministry, and you don't need to be a sophisticated sociologist to know that this particular pack of human beings, while interested in many, many wonderful things, are at least on some level, in some way, interested in dating, sex, and romance. I think most of them have thought about it once or twice. And so for the next three weeks, we are too. And you'll hear more about this as the episode goes along, but we were always planning on talking about sex, dating, and relationships this year because, frankly, we're due. We haven't done a robust exploration of the topic in like four to five years, and those plans got thwarted a little bit because of something called COVID-19. But we still want to do that robust, empirical, analytical, and theological conversation. We just want to do it next year where we can hopefully be together. But these three weeks are going to be just a little bit different. We want to talk about this stuff in a little bit of a different tone and format. So instead of that analytical approach, we're going to be doing more of a narrative approach because wisdom doesn't just come from books or sermons or statistics. Wisdom comes through living our lives and struggling through it and then looking back on it and telling those stories. And that's what we want to do So we've asked three couples to come on the podcast and talk about their stories, and we hope in approaching it this way, we won't focus so much on the quote-unquote rules of dating but more on the wisdom of dating. How do you know it's time to date? How do you know who to date? How do you know how to do it wisely? How do you know when to break up? How should it feel when you might be ready to get married? And we aren't necessarily aiming to answer these questions, but just to listen and hear how some people navigated these waters. And this week, we have one of our most recent married college life couples, Christian Wingate and Olivia Wingate, formerly Olivia Thorne, doing just that. They tell their story, and I pester them with questions, and we try to squeeze some wisdom juice out of the sponge of their experience. And we might not land on any clean theses, but we certainly uncovered something that seems true, that dating is hard and it is complex and it is messy and it is also really fun. And so I hope that there's some of the stuff in here that surprises you, encourages you, and I hope there's some stuff in here that just makes you think. So I loved getting to talk to Christian and Olivia about their story, and I hope it blesses you too. Enjoy the podcast. Right, everybody, welcome back. Your pod and your staff is back in the new year. It is winter quarter of 2021, and uh, actually, it's not 2021 yet in real time for us. It is actually New Year's Eve when we're having this conversation, and uh, I am joined with friends on New Year's Eve, so it feels a lot like a normal New Year's Eve. And so I am here with the Wingates, the Wingates, Christian and Olivia. Hello to you, my good friends. Hello, hello. Good morning. We are venturing in this winter quarter at the beginning of it to do a kind of a bold thing. We're entering into the relationship and dating landscape, bum, 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 right? That's like the big kahuna type of conversation in a lot of circles. And so um, you guys are sort of the first take on this conversation and uh, I'm excited about that. You are the um, sort of the most recent actually college life couple to be married. Is that true? Tabitha and Nathan. Oh, that's right, Tabitha and Nathan. Tabitha and Nathan, excuse me for that blunder if you're listeners to your pod and your staff. Um well, We're close, we're close. We're number 2. Yeah, you're number 2. But um ever since September 6th, right? Yes. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this. So you were sort of in the uh, pandemic wedding fiasco, right? And you had you were you had to deal with the you had plans, have to change your plans, have to sort of like not uninvite people, but tell people, "Hey, you, you can watch it on Zoom, right? You had to go through that whole process. And then obviously people wearing masks at your wedding. It was not the wedding that you probably picture when you're a youngster thinking about, you know, exactly what you want. So let me ask you this. Like, how do you, how does that sit with you now?
1: Well, nobody got COVID from our wedding. So in that respect, that is true. I have no regrets. <laughs> um, yeah. I think the only point of sadness is there were – There were a handful of people or more than a handful of people that I really, really wish could have been there. Like some college friends um, who weren't able to come and be part of the bridal party, um, some family members who were from farther away. So I think that was the big loss in terms of having a COVID wedding. But there were a lot of wins. Um, I never would have intentionally had a small wedding, nor had a wedding that was purely family focused but what a neat experience to, like, truly be able to focus in on the two families coming together. That was that was really special. And getting to have it at our parents, my parents' home, my childhood home, had a whole other element of just really, really special. And that's, like, my arguably my favorite place in the world. And getting to have people wow. who'd never been there before get to experience it for the first time was really fun and it gave us a lot of freedom too in terms of it being outside and even though it was covid we could still kind of tinker around with it.
0: Yeah, it was a you could have fooled anyone to think that was like a wedding yeah. venue. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's beautiful. So, uh it was really really wonderful. You know what's in my office right now? I'm not going to cuz no one else can see it, but um is a picture that Christian gave me of the three of us at your wedding and just a picture of me at your wedding. And uh, that's in my office living there now, and it's going to be uh, a treasure of mine. So thank you for my little Christmas gift. It, for the listeners out there, it is the single
2: greatest picture of Peter I think that exists. It's <laughs> so good.
1: He's beaming, <laughs> looking handsome in his suit. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, the key
0: to good pictures, by the way, is the open mouth smile. Mm. That should be on my gravestone. It's <laughs> like if you want to take a good picture, just smile with your mouth open. That's a, that's a good way to look joyful. But I'm really, really glad to have you guys with us and for you to be kicking off this conversation. You know, for anyone who knows anything about college life in the last decade, like you guys are sort of independently, you were sort of college life leader legends. You know, Olivia, you were a couple of years ahead of Christian and um, just sort of the paramount of faithfulness and, um, and joy and sort of one of those things that as the pastor of a community like this where there's lots of turnover— Um, you know, meaning like when people graduate after four years, like you build relationships that people graduate, it's like, there's some people that you just get so used to having around that you can't really imagine it being any other way. And I think both of you, for me, it it was that, you know, like, it's just like, oh no, to be in college life means to be around Christian and Olivia. And so, uh, I feel grateful that you're still in Davis No, you're doing the young married life. You're in a, a apartment that's like four to eight square feet, probably, um, and bathroom right. is right next to your bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which we loved. Katie and I loved those days. We look back at fondly. We love our house, but like the, um, the teensy tiny apartment, packing people in, in non-COVID times, obviously, um, for like brownies and whatever it is, you know, movie nights, um, super fun. So um, can I give a little lay of the land for how sort of I'm seeing this little three-week project that we're on? Before we get jumping into our little conversation. So um, at the beginning, uh, like Stanford and I do a lot of thinking about the, what the college life teaching is going to be. And we generally want, we have such a, uh, a hope that obviously we say all the time that we want our students to know and love the scriptures. So we spend a lot of time trying to um, do that well, trying to like build the story of the scriptures and hopefully make it interesting. But we know that like people don't generally wake up wondering, I wonder what Philippians is all about or I wonder what Colossians is all about. That's not that maybe hopefully we've made it interesting. So at the end of the day, when you're going to bed, you're actually like, I'm glad I know a little bit more about Philippians, but we, people don't wake up wondering about that. And so we tend to want to do a little bit of like at the beginning of quarter, sometimes have a little like um, three week or four week little series on like, what do people actually thinking about when they wake up in the morning? And we know that that, for a lot of people, maybe in particular in the college season is dating and relationships. How do you do it? It's on people's minds. It's frustrating. It's, it takes a lot of people's heart energy and mental energy. And when you get into this, like, oh, I like them. Do they like me? Like it can just be all consuming, you know? And so it's, it's just something that is, it's a way to pastor these people. And it's something that has captured, um, hearts and attention uh, for good reason. And maybe also for unhealthy reasons, but we actually, College Life has done this kind of thinking a ton. This is not the first time we've done this. And uh, we actually were planning on um, doing sort of our every four year big teaching on relationships and dating. We were planning on doing it in for a fall retreat. And obviously, um, you know, plans of being in the same place changed. And so we didn't do a fall retreat. But we, you know, this is sort of like Stanford's magnum opus for College Life is like the the amount of time he put into this particular retreat in these particular questions about dating and, and sex and, and relationships, him and Brahman actually do this retreat. And it's it's like very empirical. Like, it's sort of like, here's the, it's like a sociological study and a theological study. And it's like, it's everything wrapped in in one. And so we couldn't do that retreat, right? And, but we didn't want the like conversation about relationships and dating to go too far without having it be done. Because if we did it every, we sort of want to do it every four years. And if we haven't, we were going to do it this year. It means sort of actually no one in college life has gone through that content yet and so we kind of wanted to do a little bit of like a relationships light kind of thing like a, a little bit of talking about this stuff bringing it up but um, not the full brunt of that big time teaching content because we still want to do that whenever we can and whenever we can get back together so what we're gonna do is sort of major on people's stories like major on the wisdom that can be gained not from reading books necessarily or yeah, going to hear a teaching about it. But just what, how do you, like when you go through dating and you end up being married and you kind of walk through the ups and downs of a relationship, like what do you learn? What can be passed on? What is sort of the lived experience of wisdom as opposed to just l- the learned experience of wisdom? And so that's what we're going to do. And um, have I told either of you um, about my pit boss that I got for $13 that was supposed to be $500? Have I mentioned that on the podcast? Peter, I think before? you've mentioned it once or twice.
2: And not only have you mentioned uh, it, but I have been
0: able yeah. to delight
2: in the in the production Fruits. of meats that come from it.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. You came over and, uh, you know, everyone says about barbecue that it's supposed to be shared. And right since up to this point, I've been super selfish The Katie and I are like the only ones who have eaten the barbecue. And so – uh, you got to come, and I, we got to finally experience what it means to share barbecue. It was a wonderful experience. You had some uh, some of the, the the pulled pork that I just made recently. But I wanted to talk about the pulled pork because here's the deal: when you have a new hobby, and it's around Christmas time, people just give you. That's what everyone's presents are to you. Is like is like barbecue. So for me, it was like barbecue equipment. So I got like this like barbecue spray bottle, so I could spritz my meat. I got um, barbecue books. I got um, you know, uh, what else I got? Barbecue gloves. I got all sorts of different stuff. But the main thing that was super exciting for this conversation, I got a subscription to Masterclass. So like Katie's side of the family got me a subscription to Masterclass. Awesome. Masterclass is, it rules. It's so great. But um, so Aaron Franklin, who's like the barbecue god in Central Texas, he is teaching me how to do barbecue. And he did. He smoked a pork butt, which is actually <laughs> the pork shoulder. Which is very strange. And I'll never understand that. Because it's like they,
2: they have four, four legs. They have four shoulders,
0: but this is the shoulder nearest to the butt. Is that, is that how that works? I don't think so. I thought when you, were, when you started talking, I didn't know you were going to end that in a question. And I was like, I don't think that's right, <laughs> Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're right. But um, So anyway, so here's a long explanation. So Aaron Franklin taught me how to, how to make a pork butt. And so I wanted to make a pork butt on my pit boss smoker. and uh, But you go to Costco and you would want to find a pork butt, and you can only buy them in packs of two. And so I bought two pork butts. I was expecting to put one in the freezer and cook one for later, okay? You following this? You following the story so far? And if you Google, like, how to smoke a pork butt, or how to like how to how to make pulled pork in the smoker, or something like that. You'll get about four thousand different ways, you know. And you know, I've talked at length about my other barbecue sage, Malcolm Reed, who is has a different way of smoking the pork butt than Aaron Franklin. And so I just decided to do both of those. Right? I decided to, with both of my pork butts, I was going to do an Aaron Franklin way, and I was going to do a Malcolm Reed way. Right? And it's sort of in that 12-hour cook or whatever, it struck me that it's sort of like the conversation that we are trying to enter into now is that there's like a million different ways to – do this. There's a million different ways to smoke a pork butt. You know, Aaron Franklin's is salt and pepper and mustard and Malcolm Reed's is like is barbecue sauce and his like barbecue rub that has like different spices and everything. There's like different ways to do it. You can there's different temperatures to cook it at. There's different times of when to take it out and wrap it. There's different lengths of cook. There's different, you know, there's different sauces, there's different rubs. There's all sorts of different ways and everyone thinks like this is the way to do it. This will produce the best product. And, you know, really at the end of the day what you're wanting is delicious pulled pork, right? And I got to be honest, doing both of those methods, I think Aaron Franklin's way was a little bit better, but they're both delicious. They both taste really, really good, and yet we did different things to get to the same point. And so there are absolutely sort of like some non-essentials. Like you got to obviously – you got to put something on the meat you know you got to do something to it other than just putting it straight on the barbecue obviously it's got to be at the, some, some somewhere near the right temperature it can't be 500 degrees it can't be 80 degrees you know there's got, like there's obviously like these guardrails and there's these sort of non-essentials for, for how to do it right. But within that, there's just so much variety. There's so much, so many different ways to get the product that you want. And so if you put that in the dating conversation, it's, I think we so often focus on what are the rules, what are the right things to do? What are the wrong things to do? And you know, a lot of that, the sort of college life retreat content is not rules by any means, but it's like, it's like, here are some like pieces of wisdom for you. Right. I think we get so – my experience with college is is that we get so focused on all those things and are we doing those things right and meanwhile not necessarily seeing that – actually, there might be a lot of different ways to do this – well, you know, there might be a lot of different ways to do this wise. There might be a lot of different ways to actually end up with sort of a good product, so to speak, at the end. And so that's sort of what we want to do. Again, not say this is the exact way to do relationships. This is the exact way to do pork butt, right? But to say, hey, here's one way that it was done and you sort of gave us your recipe kind of thing. And um, and we're going to do this for three weeks, sort of different couples and different couples at different life stages, all with sort of college life ties and um, and the the point is not to come up with a thesis about dating and relationships. The point is to have different darts to throw at sort of the wisdom dartboard and kind of see if we can start to paint a picture that can be helpful for people. As they're navigating this, they can remember, oh, Christian and Olivia went through something similar or, you know, um, Brant and Nanda, are, are, we'll be talking with them next week, you know, but like that, oh yeah, they talked about that being a little bit of a tricky thing. So maybe I, sh- I can take a deep breath and relax a bit. So anyway, that's the long pitch just to say that this is what we're gonna be trying trying to do is, is have conversations that, that listen to your story and, and see what wisdom sort of we can squeeze out of the sponge. And so, um... And so that's sort of the that's sort of the gimmick that's sort of the the game for the next couple of weeks. And it's a little I will say it's a little bit strange for me. And I was telling you guys beforehand I'm used to coming into these podcast conversations with my here's what I'm going to say. And really I don't know what I'm going to say other than what I've said just now. So it's like it's sort of your story is going to shine. And then we're again we're going to we're going to try and tease some of it out to see you know what can this say to um, to other people going through this sort of experience um, in the college life world. So responses to my um, Much too long monologue. Um,
1: Can I go on record that this is probably the podcast where Peter says, but the most. Mm.
0: You don't know that. You don't know that. You also don't know how much we've cut out, how many butts and stuff we've cut out. (laughs) But you are right. It's absolutely the
2: the most. Yeah, um, we're really excited. It's, you know, it is like making pulled pork. There are, you know, a hundred ways to do dating well. And I think we've done one of those ways. And there's probably 99 others that you could do. And there's also about a million ways that you can do it wrong. wrong. And, um, hopefully we can kind of give some wisdom into, you know, what worked well for us and what didn't work well for us and kind of where we found some challenges and, um, where we found some success. So
0: yeah, we're excited. So let's dive into your story. Can we get like a spark notes version of your dating story, your little story of romance? Absolutely. So
2: uh, Olivia is two years older than me. So when I was a sophomore, she was a senior. So we didn't really know each other for, well, we, we knew each other, you know, just having been in college life together. But um, we had never really had a whole lot of interaction between the two of us uh, up till my junior year. And our roommates started dating and we were in the 12 together. And all of a sudden we started having all this interaction. This is going to become the classic story of boy meets girl who is way out of his league, somehow convinces her to go out with him and then puts a ring on her finger so she can't ever leave. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, I remember, like, her coming over to my apartment to practice for the twelve retreat. Uh, Her and Charlie Hunt were going to sing at the twelve retreat, and I was like, wow, I've never really hung out with her before, and uh, she's really cute, and uh, I'm interested in where this will go. And that was it. That that was all. I just remember, (laughs) like, feeling crystal clear, like, I have never been interested in you before, and now all of a sudden I am, and that's weird. And so then I spent all of Leader's Retreat trying to flirt with her, which I thought was subtle. Uh uh it wasn't you can hear in the laughter it was not subtle uh, yeah <laughs> apparently I, I used some form of a pickup line so we're, we're telling stories at leaders retreat so everybody kind of tells stories if you if you've been on freshman retreat you probably know the same thing she's telling her story and I was wanted to respond to her story we were kind of doing affirmations afterwards and I used what I thought was a really nice comment which apparently came off as a pickup line which was you are like a book that I would want to read and if you
0: know anything about me that's <laughs> accurate yeah yeah, and so uh, yeah, you're a, a a bookish one. You're I'm, a bookish I'm one. A bookish so, one. hey, you know what's interesting about that? Olivia is a like a, a treasure, right? Just in in all facets, and uh, and it's funny to me how thin your sort of initial interest was. Yes, you know, obviously your your relationship is robust. <laughs> so I feel. Safe to say that it's not like, oh, you have a thin relationship. But just – it's funny to me that it it all got launched with this just sort of like pretty nebulous and unscientific just like, oh, yeah, you're kind of cute. You're – I'm sort of – I've never noticed that before and it just launched this, you know. It's like – that's what I think makes this stuff so hard sometimes. Like how do you replicate that? Like what does that mean? Like you – like – and people have little like, oh, that person caught my eye like all the time and it doesn't – even maybe it doesn't amount to anything or maybe don't even think about it in two days from now, you know? And so what it made it, what made this one stick is just like that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm super, it's so interesting, you know?
2: Yeah. And it's, I mean, when I say that Olivia was like out of my league and like truly was, you know, Peter was right. Like truly was the treasure of college life. I mean, Dan Seitz had chastised the men many times routinely asking us, why is nobody dating Olivia? <laughs> Are you all dumb? Why is nobody dating her? She's amazing. And it's like, yeah, the, the answer was yes, she is. And I don't know. All of us were like, we don't measure up. We can't. We can't. We're not in that league. She's in a league far above everybody else here. Um, and how
0: does so, that feel to hear, Olivia? It's like one of those things. like, how do you respond to that? There's nothing you can say. Yeah.
1: I think when I was a senior and really wanted to date someone, I think I would have felt vindicated of like, please, yeah. yes, I am available. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. But
1: now it's just kind of weird to think about.
0: Which was part of your experience, right? You dealt with some of the frustrations of sort of the a- absence of dating, right? Like you mm-hmm. you had to walk through some of that. Was there any any anything you could say on that? Like sort of because like Christian's telling us, okay, this is right before you start dating. But like you were in college life for a while, obviously, you know, before before that happened. So was there any insight from that sort of time period like before we get to the dating story that, I don't know, could be useful?
1: I think – I had to learn a lot about, sounds very cliche, but just like putting your worth in people that you had crushes on. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I would repeatedly find myself having a crush on somebody and then they were not interested and that would kind of take me for a roller coaster, and have to kind of separate myself from that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think also just relying on friendship a lot of like I'm going to get to know a lot of people. Not with the intention of dating them, but to like build up my ability to have have guy friends and um and like maybe this is not just not a season where I'm dating people and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um and there were definitely times where it didn't feel okay and it felt super painful and I, I really wanted to date someone and I think especially when I graduated, I was kinda of like, well dang it, like that was my biggest pool of people that I'll probably be around right. and um but I think some other Ronn recommended to me a book. Um, I want to say it's called "A Table for One." I'll have to look it up. Hmm. Um, but it was one of the most helpful books on singleness. Of like, don't call singleness a season. Mm-hmm. Like nobody is promised to be married, right? Um, so don't live your life like you're living your second best life while you're waiting for somebody to come around. Like you, you still are have permission to live a very full, joyful life. Um, and that was really helpful for me, and it was a really encouraging book. And Ben Stewart, who we'll talk about later, who has some really excellent dating podcasts um, that were recommended to us from Emily mm-hmm. Deering, um, there's, he has a singleness episode that I also found super encouraging. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, you point out something that I have been feeling a little bit uncomfortable with in in just our, our little plan here, you know, because it's like by having the plan of having three couples three married couples talk about dating is a little bit like here are the people that won the race and listen to them about how to win the race you know and it's like that's mm-hmm. actually that's I can totally see that critique you know it's yeah. not that's not exactly what i'm hoping for i'm just i'm assuming mm-hmm. i'm i am assuming that most people want to get married and sort of want to be in relationships and want to know how to navigate that world and um and so it's like okay well let's let's sort of narrow our focus to that and and try to talk about it but i but i'm glad you say that cuz i i don't i don't want to communicate that singleness is bad or wrong or if you don't make it uh into a relationship in college life then you've done something wrong like you've had a lesser experience like i certainly don't want to communicate that and i i know that just by doing this it can be implicitly communicated so i i'm glad to hear that so thanks for opening that door so, okay. So what happened next? So you, you had a little bit of interest, a little bit of a uh, flirtatious, um, you thought it was covert. She thought it was overt, um, flirtatiousness. Yeah. And it was
2: also totally unreciprocated in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was kind of, you know, I flirted for a while and then, you know, didn't really get any, any interest in return. And so I just kind of let it die. And, you know, we ended up becoming friends, though, over the course of that year on the 12. We, we came really close. Um, we just ended up spending a lot of time together playing in Bible studies together, playing spike ball, hanging out at coffee shops. And, um, you know, eventually by spring, um, we ended up dating. And that was uh, really exciting. But the the initial season was a little bit tricky. And I'll, I'll let Olivia touch on that a little bit. Um, we We kind of... We found that there was a big tension between, like both of us had, had all this wisdom content poured into us from podcasts, from college life, from other places. And both of us are people who like really like to think things through deeply and are really serious about the things that we're doing. And so we didn't approach dating flippantly, but I think we ran into some tension kind of trying to navigate those waters and putting too much weight on early.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What was it like? What, what was the early season like of dating?
1: I think it was both very fun and also very heavy Yeah, because I think there was this expectation of you need to know if you're going to get married at the beginning. Totally. Like the whole purpose of dating somehow just went over the top of our heads of like, no, this is for figuring out if they're the right person. Mm -hmm. But I – I personally was so scared of leading somebody on that I felt that I needed to know exactly where the relationship was going to go in order to go forward, which is a lot of pressure to put on a very new relationship. And so I think there was this constant going back and forth between it's actually okay to put the next foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. If you don't know where that foot is going to land, it's okay to see how things unfold. That's an okay thing to happen. Um, But it's good to know that there is some potential that it could go in the direction where you want it to. So, like, if you're starting off dating and you're like, ah, this will clearly never end in marriage, then maybe save yourself some heartbreak. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But I feel like as long as you are operating with that possibility, like, still being open, like, I could still possibly see this person being as a marriage – a marriageable type. They have the qualities and the Mm -hmm. values – that I would want to see in somebody that I'm marrying. Um, and how do you know and- that?
0: Like, what are those things? It could be as simple as, I like being around them. You know, if I like being around them, then I can foresee I'll like being around them in 40 years, you know? Or it's like, is it a sort of what you see in the movie sometimes? Or like in How I Met Your Mother, right? There was this ridiculous list of like, she needs to play bass and she needs to like Star Wars and she needs to like all these things of, that, that those seem like the two ends of the spectrum. They're like, what did it mean like to know that they're qualities right? Or, you know, what did that look like? I had three kind of main criteria of how to decide if someone
2: is, you know, someone I'm going to propose to and want to marry. And like, if these are helpful to you, use them. And if they're not helpful to you, then like, don't. Um, My three criteria were, are they on a Jesus shaped trajectory? Like, do I see them? Do we have a common goal in being like Jesus? And are we allowing kind of the standard of the Christian faith to, can we hold each other to that standard? Is that both kind of the direction that we're moving? And Olivia's reputation in the community spoke for itself. Like I knew that before we even started dating that she was that kind of person. Mm -hmm. And so that box was checked long before we had even gotten together. Uh, My other two standards were like, do our life goals and dreams line up? You know, do we want the same number of kids? Do we want our careers to look the same? Do we want to live in the same kinds of places and navigate family in the same way? And that took a while to figure out as we were dating, but we did. And the last thing was, do we just enjoy each other? Mm-hmm. Like, do we, do we just pair well? Are we, you know, compatible in the sense of just en- enjoying spending time with one another? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was the other thing that we had to figure out during dating. And those are just boxes
0: that you check as you go along. But you sort of, I think what's interesting about that is, like, you only decide to date if you have, well, I shouldn't say that. I, I would imagine that you, one, decides to date each other if you have an inkling that that last one's true. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and I will say this. I believe that, you know, there is no
2: yellow brick road to your partner, like mm-hmm. to, your, to the person that you're going to marry. I think there are a lot of people that Olivia could have married and that she would have been really happy with. And I think there are a lot of people that I could have married that I would have been really happy with mm-hmm. in college life. Name them. Go ahead name them. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> name some names. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this, the the class of college life that I, that I kind of grew up in was just a really fantastic class with a lot of really wonderful people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, any of those people, and and many of them have become wonderful marriage partners to our friends. We just saw Haley and Charlie last night, um, you know, two of our best friends and like so happy for them. Like, you know, our class could have probably intermixed in a lot of different ways and it probably would have worked out for the vast majority of us, but like it worked out in this way. Um <laughs> that's weird
1: to think about. <laughs>
2: yeah, it, is weird. Yeah. it is weird to think about. Um, but I think that's true. I think, you know, for any given person in college life, there's a lot of people that you could marry. Like there is no one soulmate for you. And I think approaching dating with that mindset is really helpful. And so I, you know, I knew Olivia was this was someone of kind of marriageable caliber and a really high one at that. And I, you know based on our kind of year of friendship, I knew that we really enjoyed spending time together. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, let's see if our life goals align. And, you know, if we can navigate dating well, mm-hmm. and if those two things are true, then like, yeah, we should get married. And we did.
0: So what would be an example that off the top of your head of like when goals don't align? Like, cause um, it's not, it's not like, it's not like, oh, like an engineer can't marry a like nurse. Right, you know? right, right. Cause like, it's not the same, thing, you know, it's like, I guess I can ima- – I asked the question to you. I'm not going to answer my own question before. I that's, that's a bad question asking. Yeah.
2: Oh, you know, if I wanted, you know, uh, one kid and she wanted nine and a half kids, I would say that's kind of a deal breaker. I see. Um, you know, if I if I wanted to live near the ocean and she has a deep fear of water, that would be another problem. Um, you know, just – and or, you know, we saw that like our careers didn't line up. Like she really, really, really wanted to – have a super successful career and I really, really wanted to, or vice, you know, vice versa. And, you know, I wanted to have a quieter life with, you know, a lot of kids where we kind of stayed home with the kids and did that. Like those sorts of things, you know, if our career aspirations, you know, I, she wanted to go to New York and work and I wanted to stay in California and work like yeah. those sorts of things.
0: Yeah. I'm, I, I fe- I'm feeling resistant to my own line of questioning. Cause it's like, I don't want to come up with rules. Right. But it's like, in my mind, just working with your taxonomy right there. It's like, okay, so like if you have a sense that this person is sort of a serious Jesus person, you know, and you could say that in a million different ways probably, but just like if you have the sense like they care about living for the king on some level, you know, uh, not perfect, obviously. Um, And if you enjoy spending time with them, like those are, like you said, those are definitely things that you can figure out almost without even, without dating, you can figure out in friendship. But then this idea of like, like sort of to Olivia's point. Of This tension of feeling like you have to be super serious to even start dating because it's like it's a path to marriage and so it's like you have to sort of think this person's a worthy person to marry before you even date them and then that feels like this weird sort of mini proposal. You didn't say that but I was just – I always think that sometimes like jumping into dating sometimes feels like it's, well, I kind of see like I can marry you, feel like I can marry you and so you want to start dating, it's like, it just feels so serious so early. So if you already get into this and you're like, okay, well, I kind of want to know, like, how many kids do you want? Where do you want to live? It's like, all that stuff feels like super serious. And so it feels like that has to be sort of delayed, that kind of conversation, because it, until it's close but then you're in this weird nebulous zone where you're dating, but not figuring that stuff out, which is, are you just stalled there for a little bit? Or are you just learning how to be together? Are you, are you learning if it's really fun to be together? You know what I mean? Like, are you figuring more about that third piece of like, how much do we really enjoy spending time together once we're doing more of it and more of it intentionally?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you can start developing some rhythms of your relationship of like, what does fun look like together? Like, what are the things that, what are our shared passions? What are the ways that we enjoy serving other people together and what, Capacity does, like, adventure and creativity. Like, how do those things unfold in our respective relationship? Mm-hmm. I think those are things that you can kind of build off of. And and th- I think there's a lot of knowledge of somebody that's more of a friendship status rather than, you know, like, just what are the things that make you tick? What are the – what are your quirks? And you can learn all of those things without them being, you know, cementing into some – future relationship that has to happen. It's, I don't know, you're just building your your well of knowledge of the other person. Um, and also in that you can start getting more, like, I think the way you talk about it, like you can start talking about things that are helpful to know about somebody you might be interested in pursuing a long-term relationship with. But instead of talking about it of like, what would our marriage look like? Or what would our kids be like, that puts a ton of pressure on it. Being like, Hey, like, what do you picture your family life looking like? Like, what would you want your family to look like? What would you want the way that you spend time with kids to look like? So it's not necessarily that it's like, ah, these are our kids that we're going to be having. It's more like, I'm just getting to know you better with the way that you picture your life unfolding. And that helps me in turn, learn about you and see if our paths are kind of going side by side.
2: Yeah. And I'll say like the beginning of our relationship was pretty rocky. Like we had a hard time navigating these questions and navigating how to do this because Mm -hmm. there's two things that we, we both feel the first is that like you ought to do dating well and with a lot of wisdom and with, Mm -hmm. and with some structure and there's a lot of ways to do that right. Mm -hmm. And that also you should kind of do it casually in a sense where like it's fun and it's, there's not a lot of pressure on it, and then you can actually like enjoy the time that you're dating, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a w- without t- putting a ton of pressure of like, am I going to marry this person right now?
0: And so, yeah, those seem like competing goals.
2: They are, <laughs> and their intention there's there's kind of a spectrum, and their intention there's a there's a way to thread the needle. And so, in the beginning, we we started dating. We were together for about a mu- about a month, mm-hmm. and then Olivia actually called things off. And um mm-hmm.
1: yeah, so if we painted this pretty picture of a straight line to marriage. That was not how it went. No. Yeah.
2: yeah. We, we had a season where we were broken up for about a month and a half. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, the reasons for that are myriad, but one of the, the, the biggest one is just that there was a lot of pressure, especially for Olivia, but even for myself of like, oh my gosh, we've been dating for three weeks. Am I going to marry this person or not? Can I see myself marrying them right now? Mm -hmm. And just like a really crushing weight on a, on a budding relationship. And when there's that much weight on it, I mean, it's going to get snuffed out. There's, you just can't do it. And so there was so much anxiety over what our future was going to look like. And if this relationship was going to go the distance, even though we'd been together for two weeks, Mm
0: -hmm. that it really couldn't survive. See, that's what I hear a lot just over the years. I feel like that I've heard that a lot from students or people, Uh, It's sort of exactly what you just said, that at any sort of given checkpoint, is this what it should be feeling like? You know, and if it's not what it should be feeling like, does that mean we should be um, breaking up or, but am I, I'm committed to this person more than I'm committed to just a friend. And so it's like, how much do I just stick with it? So like, I'm curious to know, like when you broke up, what would like, and maybe this is a question for Olivia, like what made you think, okay, I want to break up and not, Mm -hmm. um, I have to stick with it.
1: I think something like I already spoke to being very scared of leading Krishnan. I think from an early sense, I really cared about him just as a person. Um, And I did not want to hurt him. And I started to feel my physical attraction to him kind of outpacing um, where I could envision the relationship going, Um, which was probably one place that I aired was that I felt that I needed to know exactly where it was going in order to keep dating. Um, but so for me, that felt super uncomfortable and maybe yeah. disingenuous. Is that a word? It's a word. <laughs> um, that I, I needed to have both of those things be in alignment yeah. with one another. My attraction needed to also match kind of my emotional side of the relationship and how far I could see it going. I don't know if that's making any sense. Yeah. Um. And so I had to take some time to just kind of evaluate and get perspective of, am I just being driven by physical attraction? Like, am, am I wearing rosy-colored glasses? Uh, because I just think he's so cute and we have so much fun together. And I would not change that time that I had to be a part. I think one of the reasons was is, it was a time where I really got to see Christian's character apart from our relationship. Um, He could have been super angry Mm -hmm. and hurt and um, treat me very differently during that time. Um, But he continued to be kind and friendly. And I still felt a lot of respect from him. Like, the way that he viewed me did not change just because we were not dating. I wasn't being punished.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so
1: I felt that for me, that was super helpful to really see that he's not just putting on a facade because he's trying, he has an end goal with our relationship. This is just who he is. Um. So I'm mm-hmm. not saying that everybody should break up mm-hmm. to see. <laughs> don't, do, don't do that. How the other person treats them. But um, for me, it was some of the validation I needed of, I'm not just pursuing this out of a pursuit of chemistry and the electricity in our relationship. It's because I I see character um, that is worth pursuing. So,
2: and I will add to that, like yeah, don't don't go break up if you're dating someone just to see what happens. That that's a that's that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Like we we are very happy with our story and we're very you know proud of it. And mm. that time was important for us. But we did err too much on the side of, like, taking things way too seriously at the beginning. For sure. And it caused us a lot of pain as a result. Mm. And I think, you know, I don't want to say, like, don't care and just be flippant about who you're dating and how you're dating. But, like, there is an element of just dating because you're getting to know someone and don't need to know if you're going to get married yet. Like, I think one of the the worst things about the word dating is that it gets used to describe people – who are both, like, just going on a couple of dates and just getting to know each other, Mm -hmm. and for people who are in a very serious, committed relationship that they Mm -hmm. are also dating, Mm -hmm. and that's bad because Mm -hmm. we should use, Mm -hmm. like, those those are separate concepts. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about dating, like, you should date. Like, you should go on dates with people to see if they are the kind of person that you would want to marry, and that takes a long time. And so, like... Go on some dates, and if you don't know right away, like, that's okay. If you don't know for a couple of months, if you don't know for six months, if you don't know for a year, like, that's all right. You know, as time goes on, you should have a sense of where this, you know, might be going, but mm-hmm. in the beginning, you don't have to know. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And we need, to ch- we need to change the word because, you yeah. know, sometimes people like, oh, well, we're dating now. Like, I have to know, you know, what,
0: where this is going. You, you don't. But at the same time, I guess listening to you talk, Olivia, it's like, you're, um, you are someone just with, with sort of remarkable character. And so on one level, you know, if you're looking sort of with hindsight, it's like, were you going to, were you going to be interested in somebody who had just like crummy character? You know, like was, was anyone who was just like a big time tool, like going to catch your eye and, and like capture your heart, you know, like, and, and I don't know if that's a fair question. Cause it's like, how do you know? But I think the idea that that you said, like, is, is your attraction to him just the thing that's guiding your thoughts and your – like, the pacing? And I kind of think, like, so so far we've sort of unearthed a little bit of this. Like, there's this tension between wanting to do this well and then wanting to do this – like, but also, like, not taking it too seriously so that I could, it can actually breathe and become what it's going to become is sort of a tension. And then on the other side, it's like, yeah, and you also have this physical attraction that's potentially growing and brewing and might be outpacing your ability to get to know the other person like emotionally and robustly on, on other sides. And so it's like if I can sort of try and paint this picture. Like you have this process. It's a serious process that you're supposed to not take too seriously. And there's going to be this thing that's going to potentially be clouding your judgment, which is just your physical attraction to the person. you know. Which all that just sounds like a mess. Like, all that sounds like how are you ever supposed to know that this is good or right and not, like, how are you ever supposed to know that I'm not just blinded by my attraction? Like, how are you ever supposed to know that what I'm seeing I can trust and the, the excitement that I'm feeling I can trust and the excitement that I'm feeling is something that can actually is a foundation for a longer-term committed relationship, like. Because it's so important, you want to take it seriously, but because it needs time to organically grow into an actual relationship, you know, not just a set of rules, you need to like not take it too seriously. But again, all the while, your um, wisdom apparatus might be compromised because of like, not because physical attraction means nothing, but because it's, it can speak a little bit too strongly and too loudly. Whereas like there might be other more important things that need to speak loudly too. So it's like, what all, again, all that seems like it's a... It's a a strange road to navigate. Your compass is a little bit off, and so how do you navigate it with any confidence? You know, like, and do you do you feel like you did? You know,
1: yeah. Um, I think something that was super helpful for ever even deciding. I mean, I think I spent most of the year when we were on the twelve getting to know each other, just waffling back and forth between, ah, he's cute, he's interested. Oh, he's so much younger than me. Is that even okay? I mean, I'm kind of attracted. Do we date? Um, but during that whole time, I was actually getting to see how he was interacting on a leadership team. I was in a in a group setting most of that time, getting to watch how he's interacting with other people. Um, and I think that was actually huge, and yeah. super like in the antidote to the rosy colored glasses because it's not just how is he towards me, because it's really easy to act super nice and um. A certain way when you're interested in somebody but does that does that map onto the people in the their sphere are they are they still kind and caring and respectful and thoughtful of other people are they others focused mhm
0: isn't this unbelievable so cuz i totally agree with what you're saying what if if i can hear what you're saying you are sort of communicating that what you're able to see in christian Almost when he wasn't directly with you, yeah. was telling you a story about him that felt reliable. And um, so, again, mm-hmm. let me add some more complexity to this to this picture that we're painting is that obviously you start to like date somebody in in the in the way that you're describing Christian of like go on dates to see if there's someone I want to date more seriously, right? And so, obviously, you're going to be spending more time together, one on one, in that scenario, uh, presumably. And that time is supposed to tell you is this person of a, a quality character, and yet if you're so att- attracted to them that you might – be overlooking some things, but you might not be able to trust it. So I'm going to watch them in group settings deal with this stuff. So it's like the process of getting to know if there's someone that you want to date is sort of a Mm one-on-one thing. And yet you have to be taking in the data from all this peripheral stuff. It's almost like, okay, well, we're going to get, we're going to like spend some more time together to see if we are compatible. See if we're, if this can go anywhere, but actually this isn't that trustworthy. So actually I need to also see you in groups (laughs) so so I can actually figure out if what I'm seeing in one-on-one maps out because like you said it's like yeah it's it's actually not that hard to be pretty awesome to someone for a really short amount of time like in a dating place it's not actually that hard probably to like just be really considerate you know pull open the the door for someone buy their coffee you know it's like a five dollar thing and it sounds you make it you're like a a hero you know um so then you have to watch what they're doing outside of that one-on-one time and and now we're i think I, in talking with you guys, I'm realizing, yeah, this is why it feels so complicated because there's you go in this one direction of like, oh yeah, just, just spend some time together casually, see if it see if it works, see if it fits, and it's like, actually, you know you might also want to see what they're like in groups because you know that's where you get to see a little bit more of their person personality, but then if you can't totally know them in a group because you need to know them a little more intimately, so anyway, it's just like kind of always going back and forth, does that feel accurate to your sense of your story, yeah
2: and I'll say there there was Kind of one more thing to add to kind of our early dating stage um, and then maybe we can move on, which was the, there's the big question of when do you bring all the skeletons out of the closet? Like when do you share all of your like deep, dark secrets and the things that you're not very comfortable about with your own self? Mm -hmm. And like at what stage in the relationship is the relationship ready for that to be shared? Because Mm -hmm. they need to be shared before you move on and you get married. Like Mm -hmm. they, they have to. Yeah. At the same time, if you show them right off the date, uh, you know, on the first date, I I don't suggest that. Yeah. It might work for some people. I don't suggest it. Yeah. And so we had done that really early on. You know, kind of our one of our airs of of kind of taking things really seriously in the beginning was airing all that out really early on. That put a lot of pressure on the relationship. And now it was like, okay, we've been dating for like a month, mm-hmm. you know, two months. And now all of a sudden I have all this overwhelming information about your trauma and, you know, the things that you have been dealing with all your life. Mm-hmm. Do I want to proceed towards marriage with you? And it's like, wow, that's a lot, to, that's a lot for a relationship to carry. Yeah. And I don't have an answer on when the right time is to share that. Like mm-hmm. I don't think there is a clear answer um, other than that it needs to be before you get engaged mm-hmm. and after you start dating. And sometime in that space, like, you know, those conversations need to be had. But I think every relationship is going to look a little bit different in that regard. Um, If you do it too soon, like, you're going to, you know, crush the relationship. And if you do it too late, you're not going to give the other person a fair opportunity to evaluate you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say, like, one of the steps that – one of the transitions for us between going from, like – okay we're just kind of testing the waters to see if we want to move forward to like okay we are actually like in a serious relationship and headed towards marriage Mm -hmm. was like kind of the day and it wasn't you know it wasn't one day but it was kind of the this the span of time where we started to see each other's you know traumas and skeletons in the closet these stories that we were kind of a part of that were you know kind of dark and not so not so fun um we started to see them not as potential red flags mm-hmm. and things that would keep us from like marrying them but instead as like okay, this is a part of you, and mm-hmm. I want to walk alongside you in it mm-hmm. like I see this this you know red flag skeleton, whatever it is, and I want to walk with you in this now. I am making that choice to walk with you mm-hmm. um, and I think that was like the big transition from us kind of going to from early dating to like no okay we're this is pretty serious. And that happened probably about 9 months in for us. Um, we went on a road trip to Southern California and just we had a lot of you know we're we're kind of in the process of starting to get you know serious start talking about getting married and what that might look like and that was like when we started sharing that stuff and or not when we started sharing that stuff we'd share that stuff a long time ago but when that those conversations shifted in that direction mm. and um we'd been going through a book called 101 questions to ask before you get engaged which is really good at airing out anything that you haven't dared out yet <laughs> yes. um, and also yeah. processing that. But, yeah, I think by about nine months in, we were, like, pretty sure that, you know, we were headed in the direction of marriage, or at least we weren't going to keep dating if we didn't think we were pretty seriously headed in that direction. Yeah. And um, just to kind of round out our story. Yeah, so that was in June of 2019. By November of 2019, uh, this is probably... Like like probably a year and two or three months in. Um, I was like, Hey, I, you know, I have half a mind to go buy a ring for you over Christmas. And uh what do you what do you think about that? And I said, You don't have to decide right now. Like, here's, you know, take three weeks and tell me what you think. And you know, if it's no, like that's okay, we can wait. And um that and she came back, she said, Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. And so I took her, you know, ring shopping over Christmas and we got her sized up, and then I proposed leap day of this year. Um, and that was we were a year and a half in when I proposed, and then we had a six-month engagement, which highly recommend short engagements, highly, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, you don't need any more time to decide if you want to get married. Like some people say, Oh, you should have a long engagement, you know, just like no, if you really want actually want to get married to them. If you've proposed, you should know that you want to get married. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't, you could get married the next day. Like, that's what a proposal should look like. Um, but there are, you know, there are logistical things that you have to navigate during engagement that are important and take some time but um yeah we got married in September of this year so we've been married for
0: about 3 4 months now mm-hmm. yeah and uh, it's been happily ever after so far that's right yeah <laughs> now you're uh experts i always i always the uh early married stage was frustrating to me on some level because it was so fun and then but i it didn't feel like it counted like it felt like it was like oh well it's cuz we're so it's just newlyweds. And I, I feel mm-hmm. like I was always like, well, when do I get to just say like marriage is awesome? Like I love mm-hmm. being married. You know, when when do I get to just do that? So I feel like, Christian, in what you were saying, it pointed out another thing to me that I just noticed in, in the dating thing is it seems like everyone sort of has this sort of moment or this series of moments that are, that are sort of these like invisible checkpoints of like they're not the when you start dating and they're not when you get engaged, but they are like a. a a pivot point of like, how serious is this, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I'm just endlessly fascinated in the ambiguity of that because it's like, well, what are you what are you doing from the moment you start dating to that ambiguous pivot point? And then what are you doing from that pivot point to when you get engaged? I'm always just curious, like, what does it feel like to say yes to that sort of invisible checkpoint? To be like, at this point in time, we're either gonna pivot towards getting married or we're gonna pivot towards... Probably breaking up, you know, which, again, feels like a mini proposal, doesn't it? And so it's just weird. It's just like what it's it's not doesn't have the severity of like a ring and a promise, but it's more than just, hey, we're going on another date. So did you like conceive of that as a real as a real pivot point or did it just sort of naturally happen? Um Like, I feel like I've heard couples talk about, oh, yeah, we had a conversation about, like, is this really going somewhere? And so I wonder if it's just like, hey, we've been doing the casual but serious thing for a while. And I wonder if it's like, hey, I want you to know I'm ready to sort of drop the casual, (laughs) you know, like at some point.
1: Well, to just totally obliterate the narrative of just like this linear relationship again Christian was pretty much always, even you can see it from the beginning. He was interested. I wasn't really quite sure in the beginning. Um, I think I was always temporally in the relationship, just a little bit behind him in terms of um, knowing where it was going, how sure I felt. And so there was a lot of times where he would give me kind of the checkpoint, but then also offer me some time with that checkpoint Mm. of like, Hey, like this is kind of where I see our relationship is at. And like, I I really feel like we're in a place where we can kind of transition, and that communication in itself was super key, because it allowed me to kind of get on the same page with him. Of ah, oh, we're kind of entering into this new stage of the relationship. Do I want that? Um, do I want to say yes to continuing into this new stage? And it kind of it kept the doors open on the relationship, which I thought was super yeah. healthy. There was no point when we were dating that it was like, all right, you are mine. Um, You're not allowed to walk out of this. We're very open of like, unless we are actually married, Mm -hmm. you you are allowed to decide for yourself that this is not something you want to do. Like that is totally within your right. Mm -hmm. You are not locked into this. And I think that that just offered a lot of freedom to say yes, because Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like it was obligatory. Mm -hmm. Because I'm in this dating relationship, it is expected of me to move on to the next stage. It actually wasn't. Christian did not expect for me to say yes to moving to the next stage. It was, we are doing this because we are evaluating each other. And if at some point we realize, oh, shoot, you know what? Actually, I've gathered some data that it's like, no, I don't want to move towards marriage. And that was totally okay, and I don't think I've answered your question at all.
0: No, I think that's in, I think that's really interesting, and I, I, I think that I've told the story before, but it's like I remember when I was telling Katie's mom and stepdad that I wanted to marry Katie, and um, and her stepdad sort of said something along the lines of like, um, could you live without her or something like that, hmm. and. Um, you know, it was just this weird moment of, like, I hadn't really thought about it, but it sort of, like, clicked into place for me of, like, well, I f- as a Christian, you sort of get used to this idea of pointing out sort of idols in your life, of things that, like, mm-hmm. are, are capturing too much of your heart and you're always very nervous about it. Like, oh, is this thing that I care a lot about, is this thing an idol or not an idol, you know? And and so I was like, well, I think I probably could live without her um, mm-hmm. because I, I have to— I have to be in that posture, you know, mm-hmm. but I just remember thinking like, but I don't want to, you know, and I I want to sort of hitch our lives together. Like I, mm-hmm. it's, I, it's a, it's just an issue. Like I just, I want this, this is what I want, you know, and I, I want to continue this journey. Like I want to be married to this person. I don't know. There's something about, I mean, it's too simple to make this like the end all be all kind of thing, but sort of in this sort of checkpoint style, you're talking about where like there was this sort of pivot point of like we're gonna either transition to maybe thinking more serious about marriage or it's like if we're not then it's probably time to end this you know mm-hmm. and it's like the question could be as simple as like just do you what do you want like do you mm-hmm. want this to go not like is it right like is this right sort of like quote unquote god's will for me but it's like i sort of at that point it's almost like you've been doing the legwork of if this sort of wasn't god's will and if, i guess if you're a doing it wisely and doing it well, you maybe could have had some signs that it's not a good relationship or whatever, you know? But mm-hmm. aside from that, it could all, it could be, do I want this or not? And if I don't mm-hmm. feel like I want it, then I can walk away. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. committed to the person. I'm not committed in any covenant or anything like that. And and I don't know, there's that, that piece is really a- attractive to me. And maybe in the next couple of weeks as we keep talking about it, I'll get a little more clear about how that plays into it. Because obviously you could want something that's bad for you. Mm-hmm. Um and our conscience is not always the thing that is the most – to be trusted the most. But it's also like – I think sometimes it gets a bad rap in Christian communities. It's like what you want can't be trusted. It's like it's what God wants for you or, mm-hmm. you know, um, that you should do. And it's like, well, gosh, you're going to be making a commitment to this person if you marry them. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. It's like if, you, if you're if you doing that with full knowledge of like I I want to make that commitment. Like I want to continue on this journey with this person. Um I don't know. That just feels really important to me, and I, I can feel myself not totally having a, a grasp on. On, I think probably I want to make it a rule. You know, I want to make it like a, some sort of taxonomy of you have to mm-hmm. check this box, and maybe it's just not. But, um, but it sounds like what you're sort of describing is that you were given freedom to sort of often decide, like, do I still want this? Is this still mm-hmm. something that I'm um, that I want to pursue? You didn't feel compelled to do it if you didn't want it. Um, and and this, you know, us. Kind of speaking here is
2: not like we're not trying to give rules here, but I think if there's anything that I would give that even resembles a rule, it would just be like communication about the status of your relationship
0: is probably the most important thing you can do.
1: Mm -hmm. See, the thing
0: about that, though, is like that's serious talk, you know, like that's like how do you do that casually? Well, I mean... Or did
2: you do do it casually? We did that in the beginning, actually. And and we did do it casually. And I think, you know, in the very beginning, every couple of weeks, I mean, literally, I think every two or three weeks, uh, we would just, like, you know, we'd have a date or something. And at the end of it, I'd be like, hey, how are you doing, you know, with us dating? Like, is this something you want to keep moving forward with? Are you, you know, excited about this? Are you nervous about it? Like, Mm. how are you Mm -hmm. feeling? Is there, you know, have you seen anything in me that you are not stoked about or otherwise? Um, And just, like, Just kind of a a reaffirmation every single time, which is like, hey, like this is, you are opting into this and you can opt out at any point. Like there's ultimate freedom for you to choose to no longer be in this relationship the moment you want to. And that's okay. And like the whole point of this dating thing is just to kind of test it out. And if you don't want to keep going, you don't have to. And, you know, always kind of with this mindset of like, we want to date in a way that if we were not going to get married, mm-hmm. that whoever they did get married, like we leave the other person better off by the end of the relationship if, you know, yeah. if the relationship was to end. And that, you know, one day if she got married to someone else, I could shake the hand of her husband and be like, yeah, I, your wife and I dated and we did a really great job of it and it wasn't a great fit. And I'm really happy for you guys and not have to feel any sense of shame or guilt or anything like that. Mm. And so I think like the one thing that I would recommend as strongly as I can is be really open about where you are in the relationship so that you guys can stay on the same page. People can't read each other's minds. Yeah. You just yeah. can't. And it sounds trite and it's just not, it's not trite. I asked Olivia, you know, kind of the, the, intervals of which we had these conversations grew in length as the relationship went on in the beginning, we were doing it every two or three weeks Um, you know, then it would go to every couple of months and I'm, but I was, we were having these conversations up till a month before our wedding. Mm -hmm. Like we were engaged and I was still like, Hey, I just want you to know, like we're engaged and there's a ring on your finger, Mm -hmm. but it's not a wedding band. Like Mm -hmm. this is an engagement ring. It's not a wedding band. You are not married to me. We are not in a covenant together. And like, do you still feel comfortable? And is this something you want to move forward with? And you know, the answer was clearly yes. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was really helpful because I, you know, like Olivia said, like I was a, a, always a little bit ahead in the relationship, at least for, for a while, mm-hmm. um, in the yeah. beginning. And that was always really helpful for me to know that, okay, I need to kind of pull back a little bit and know that I am a little farther ahead and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I need to kind of give some time for Olivia to catch up. And so, yeah, when we were kind of getting serious at nine or so months, that helped me to know, well, we still need some time. Mm-hmm. Like she's not ready to jump into marriage yet. And I wasn't either. Mm-hmm. Um, But we still need some time to kind of work through this. And yeah, those conversations all the way along. And they don't have to be long, deep, heavy conversations. They just have to be where do you see where this is going and, Mm -hmm. you know, are you excited about it? Mm -hmm. Um, And just a reaffirmation of, you know, it it is okay for you to say no and put
0: put this on hold. Yeah, I don't know if if it's been just because I've been married for longer than I dated. But it's like that sounds – the insecurity of that sounds awful to me. Mm (laughs) Now, like, like the security of marriage of being like, this is no longer a conversation. Yeah, right. Like we're not we're not having a conversation. Do you want this or not? It's just an assumption. And coming out of my mouth, it almost sounds like, well, that sounds like prison. <laughs> you know, like you're not <laughs> able to think for yourself. But on the other hand, it's like, no, 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 no. It's just ultimate freedom. Yeah, you know, because um, that it's no longer a. I'm not Question. wasting any mental energy mm-hmm. on do I want this or not because it yeah. doesn't matter. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. um, and and I do you know i think we do continue to both want obviously to be married um and uh, and it's a joy to be so but gosh that's another thing it's just the built in insecurity of consistently and constantly having to evaluate mm-hmm. it just sounds exhausting i feel i feel all all i'm saying is that i feel for your, the the dating world looking back on it from marriage now it just seems really hard um to navigate I think-
1: I think the counterpoint to that insecurity was Christian leading the relationship forward really well. Mm-hmm. I wasn't unsure of where he wanted the relationship to go. He was always sure. super clear about it. Um, so even though we were having these open discussions of we are allowed to choose not to go forward I felt him constantly leading the relationship forward mm-hmm. and thinking ahead um and so there was never a doubt of where he wanted it to go, yeah,
0: yeah hey i we got we could talk for a million yes. hours yeah, um but so we should we should wrap up, but just as you said that, I was like, you know I wonder if like if I was listening to this and um you know I was having some of the, the questions that you know I'm imagining people are having, it's like I wonder if. I would I would be wondering, well, what's, what level of dissatisfaction or what level of not having fun anymore in the relationship or what level of, oh, things are getting a little tense or what level of a fight is the level at which I say I don't think I want this anymore?
1: Hmm.
0: You know, because like there's probably not a – it's not like every single day you are equally – committed to the idea when you're dating of like, I absolutely want to marry each other. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm, I'm sure that there was some waxing and waning, you know, of like, and even if it was teensy tiny, even if it was teensy tiny little like, um, of little um, peaks and valleys. But it's like, if someone is, maybe they're dating someone and it's like, they just have had a tough season or they have gotten in a few more little quarrels, you know, or I don't know, there's just some frustration And if you don't have an like not necessarily an answer, if you haven't thought about it, we don't have to make something up, you know, but it's like, I just think that's hard too, you know, of like, of if you're not committed to each other and you are able to leave, how do you know when you're supposed to? Like, how do you, what level of, what level of relational unfittedness, Like, how do you know? You know what I mean? And I will say, I think I feel particularly ill-equipped to answer that because I, I never thought about breaking up with Katie. You know, I just, I never, and it was never a, should we, should we not break up? conversation we did break up that was (laughs) okay thank you katie that was what a what a chapter (laughs) but 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 i never really thought about it and i feel a little bit like irresponsible Hmm. in that there's sort of like was i blind you know was i just like was i never was there never going to be anything that told me i was going to not that wasn't right you know and so maybe that's a little bit of a question do you have any sense of like once you got to like that pivot point so like you weren't engaged yet um the the conversation was hey you know I'm kind of thinking about getting married. You know, what, how are you feeling about that? Here's some time to respond. Like in that time where you were thinking about it, was, what was the evaluating process like? Like I'm actually evaluating, yeah, can I deal with this? Can I deal with that? That and or what would have been something, the deal breaker? Like what would have been the thing that's like, actually, I, I, I don't think I want to deal with that for the rest of my life kind of thing.
2: I, I don't think we are particularly well-equipped to answer that either. I mean, frankly, aside from the fact that we did break up for a month in the very beginning, <laughs> um, we had a really remarkably wonderful relationship and still do. Um, you know, we really have, haven't ever had a fight to speak of and, you know, have been really happy. All We had a lot of external pressure on our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some other friendships that were challenging. We had... The first couple months that we were dating, her childhood home almost burned down in fires. We had just all kinds of, like, other stuff going on at the same time. And that put a lot of pressure on our relationship. But, like, mm-hmm. our relationship itself was always really rock solid for the most part and really wonderful. So, yeah, there wasn't much of a question of are we going to break up, at least on my side. It was, you know, more of a question of, like, when is the right time to get married? And, you know, where where are we in the relationship right now? But yeah, that wasn't so much a consideration. I guess the only thing that I would say is, like it's not about one fight necessarily and it's not about, you know, one, even one season, but when you're dating, you're collecting a large pool of data and you want to see the slope of that data Mm. be headed like towards marriage and towards Jesus. Like you want to see the character of that person heading towards Jesus Mm. and you want to see, you know, the, the slope of the data, um, you know, if you're going to fit it with a trend line heading towards marriage Mm. and, Like, you're going to spend your life with this person in the service of God together. Mm -hmm. And so if, you know, you are collecting data as you go along, let's say you've been together for six months and, like, things have been kind of rough, like, evaluate the data, you know? Does it, is it starting to slope downwards? And do you, like, can you really see yourself doing this for a lifetime? Like, is this the kind of life with this person that you want to lead for a lifetime? And, you know, if it's starting to look like maybe not, then, yeah, I think that's maybe the point where you'd want to consider breaking up. But outside of that, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of wisdom to share in that area.
1: I do. Yeah, go um, for Me being the slower one in the relationship and maybe a pseudo junior psychologist, I felt like I was yeah. just constantly analyzing everything of, um, you know, has he um, dealt with this experience from his past and, um, has there been enough growth there? And, um, and I think the things that were super helpful for me, like in, in knowing with the stories that were going to be a long time to know kind of what the ending was for him of, you know, dealing with things from his past where, you know, in, in the arc of dating, I, I probably wouldn't see kind of the culmination of that does he have the ability to self-reflect? Has he had Mm. time to be, is he self-skeptical? Like, does he just believe that he's doing everything perfect and the right way all the time? Is he able to look inside and be like, ah, there's things that I'm working on. I I think that ability to, almost like an intrinsic motivation to be growing on his Mm -hmm. own, irrespective of me, that he was working through his own stuff, um, I think was super important for me to know that going into marriage, we weren't going to be responsible for each other's growth. Like it wasn't going to be because I was constantly pushing him to grow. Like he had that motivation internally. And if there were things that we saw in each other that weren't perfect and that probably were pretty challenging, that there was something within us that recognize that 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 is super yeah. challenging and in a willingness to to work on that um within the relationship.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I think we got to wrap up the yeah. the conversation and um I really do feel like I could we could talk about it for hours, and uh, i'm hoping that in some of the questions that we've posed that just in talking with more people in the next few weeks and maybe people talking about it with each other like they, we start to gain some wisdom and uh, or gain a little a little clarity and again, I just want to reiterate the burden on you guys christian levy was was again not to come up with you know here 's how to date you know it 's mm-hmm. just to share your experience and then see like what can we what can we learn about sort of dating at large based on your experience or just like learn from from how you've done it, so thank you for opening yourself up. I know it's not always easy to go back and bring more people into something that was a um that was your sort of your story, so thank you for doing that and now um as you know we we tend to like the end of, to end the podcast with um something we like to call quarantine Corner and uh, we'll do it fast because we've been going long, um, but Quarantine Corner is a delightful thing that we do, and we give people, we give all the listeners who are who are hoping for it just a little bit of something to do uh, over quarantine. Uh, it's going to be hard to find things to do, uh, especially now, things are not looking all, all the best, so we have to be inside all the more, and so I'm going to go first for my Quarantine Corner, and Quarantine Corner this week, it's uh, a show that actually um, Corey Halfley from FBC told me to watch, and it's... Uh, it's unbelievable, okay? It's called uh, – I, I, and I'm not the first person that said this. You've probably heard it before. But you, if you haven't seen it, yet, you got to watch it. It's called Ted Lasso. Have you seen it yet? Oh, my – it is unbelievable. It's inappropriate, so that just needs to be it's, – It's bad. there's bad words and there's some bad things they talk about, right? But it's almost – I think it's almost better that it's inappropriate because the character of Ted Lasso is so fundamentally good and yet he exists in this sort of like nasty world and yet he's so fundamentally I, like, I actually i he's like a, i want to be him he's <laughs> like he's like the best version of me <laughs> i just like i am inspired by him he is so kind people are mean to him and he just sort of like turns the other cheek and he 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 takes their sort of evil and he turns it into good he's like unbelievable and it's so funny and it was a it was a digital short a long time ago and it's about this like football coach from kansas who goes overseas to to coach a like premier league soccer team and he has no idea how to coach soccer never played soccer never coached soccer and in the digital short he was kind of a fool like a bumbling fool but in the show he's just this like heart of gold um uh Sort of, he's just going to win you over with kindness, and it is so good. It's on Apple Plus. You get the first two episodes free, and then you have a seven day free trial after that. And so you can pound it out. If, <laughs> I shouldn't be encouraging binging, but you can <laughs> pound it out. And um, it's so good. It's so so good. Again, if you can handle a, a few uh, bad words. So anyway, uh, Ted Lasso, I, I recommend it very highly. Wow. Very good. Yeah,
1: my eyes were opened. I've never even heard of this. Yeah,
0: yeah. You got you got to do it. You got to jump in. Yeah.
1: For our quarantine corner, um, in the same vein of good television, we have been watching Studio Ghibli films. If you've ever heard of the movie Spirited Away, it won quite a few awards. Um, He's a Japanese director?
2: Yeah, uh, Hayao Miyazaki owns an animation studio called Studio Ghibli. Mm -hmm. And uh, they make these just really wonderful animated films and they're, like, they're not anime, but they're animated. And they're kind of in the same vein of Disney, but, like, better. I, I'm just going to say it. They're better. And, uh, a lot of people pe- like Disney, Christian. A uh, lot of people like Disney. I know. Yeah, and I'm just not one of those people. It's a people. The hot take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're really wonderful. They He just kind of, like, it's a little bit like Lord, Lord of the Rings, if you've ever read Lord of the Rings, where, like, Tolkien just kind of drops you into the middle of the story and doesn't explain a lot of what's going on and just kind of expects you to go with it and uh-huh. just you're just entering a world that you is kind of is foreign and unfamiliar and there's just a story happening and you get picked up into the story and that's what happens in these Studio Ghibli films and so um, yeah go watch Spirited Away or Castle in the Sky or Howl's Moving Castle or, or
1: Kiki's Delivery Service or Ponyo Ponyo <laughs> um,
2: they're all on HBO Max And you can get a free trial of that or whatever, but they're fantastic. Highly recommend. They're super lighthearted and Mm -hmm. fun and just like so good for 2020.
1: I think when the burden of COVID and being indoors and all the good things being ripped away from your life like a Band-Aid, it reminds you of the goodness and the beauty still in the world.
0: That's legit. So I and I think Ted Lasso does the same. Mm-hmm. So we are offering some wholehearted content. I'm imagining that um, in your cartoons there are fewer f bombs. And uh, I <laughs> I wanted to drop, I wanted to just say cartoons just to see what your face looked like when I said cartoons. But um, that's great. I love it. I, I'm all about that. Thank you for for sharing that. And thank you again for for your time on the pod. Mm-hmm. Love you both. Thanks, Peter. Bye, Peter. All right, well, that's it for the first episode of the season and this little three-week romance story series. Thank you to Christian and Olivia, the Wingates, for opening up your lives to us. You know, it's really exciting to me to think that someone someday might be better equipped to date more wisely because of something that they heard you say today. And before we go, I wanted to give a brief production note that we actually have a new editor for our little show, Praise God. His name is Mike Loretto, and he was actually the worship pastor at the church which I grew up in. And actually, the first time I ever saw him, he was leading worship, and he led a song by Shane and Shane called Yearn, which I just absolutely adored. And since then, I've just been a fan. And so I put out a Facebook call and I was super excited to learn that right now he's doing some freelance editing work and he would love to be a part of the show. And so thank you, Mike, for lending us your editing prowess. And it just means so much to me that you're willing to jump in with us in this project. And the last thing I'll say for now about Mike is that he's doing this editing thing, but he's also working right now as a spiritual coach. And if that is interesting to you, you just have a sense that you want to talk with someone else, maybe a third party, about just your spiritual journey or anyone you know might be interested, please check out his website, MikeLorettoCoaching.com. It'll tell you everything you need to know. And I can attest that just in the times him and I have been talking about this podcast, I tend to leave those conversations seen, heard, known, and put at ease. So he is a great guy, and I encourage you to check him out. So thank you, Kyle Jung and Josh Paskey, of course, for the music for our show. It rules as always. And to close College Life, boy, we love you more even than the sheer number of meme content produced in the year of our Lord 2020. We'll see you next week.